I actually want to do a, I'm going to be doing a two-part series um, on forgiveness and understanding what forgiveness is really about. I think we have got no clue what forgiveness really is. I think we misquote the scriptures when it comes to forgiveness. We misquote certain things. But before I do forgiveness, and I'm going to be doing forgiveness next week and we'll be breaking the bread, I'm going to speak this morning about unity. Um, you know, I, I, like most of you sitting here this morning, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that we're coming into an unbelievable season in church life. And, and I, it's not probably church life, it's not the right word, but we're coming to something as a people, as a whole. And God is stirring in many of our hearts. And God is stirring in many of our lives right now for more. And God is stirring in our hearts, you know, just to have a desire to see His kingdom come and His will be done. I mean, every one of us sitting here this morning, we spoke about it last week and the week before, and we've shared a little bit around that, you know, we want to see the signs, wonders, and miracles. We want to see the supernatural things that God wants to do in our lives. And, and last week, I spoke a little bit on, on the whole area of love. But I... I I want to speak about unity. And, and why I'm speaking about unity? Because I believe that COVID has changed everything. Whether you like it or not, COVID has changed everything. Some of us, well, a few people came stinking rich during COVID. Other people almost lost everything during COVID. And it's been a real challenge in the sense of, thank you, my darling. What are you switching off? What are we doing? Oh. Every week she interrupts me, have you noticed? <laughs> but, but COVID has changed everything. And I remember coming out of, coming out of COVID. We're the only world still in COVID, The rest of the world, they got 200,000 people at the, at the GP and we're still wearing masks. I don't know. I don't um, but I remember even as elders and, and as leaders we chatted around the whole thing COVID and we said one simple thing we don't want to go back and do the things or the way we did stuff and, and yet somehow by default the human side of us goes back to that, that place again and, and so it goes back to that place and, and for some reason we're expecting a different result or the same result and we don't realize that the world has changed completely. That church has changed completely. You know, we've got a, we've got a whole new congregation in the sense of, you know, the last year. Um, and that was exciting for us where, where some churches were emptying up, we were filling up and, and it was really exciting now for us. But, you know, over the last few weeks we've really been saying, you know, God, what is it you want for us? Where are we going? What are we doing? What, are you, what is it you want to say to us? And, and I just, I felt to say this to you without offending you. But I just, I was just spending some time this week in prayer. And, and just praying about unity, praying about church, praying about forgiveness, and praying about, you know, the journey that so many of us are on and, and, and what God is doing in the season. And in that moment, I don't want to say God said, but I said, you know, the Holy Spirit said to me, church life is very simple. 
And I thought about it and I think, well, you know, when you pastor a church, church life is not that simple. But he just very pushed my heart that church life is really simple. And I pushed him to that and I said, God, what is it? What are you trying to say? Why is church life simple? He says, well, it's very simple. People, if my people obey my word, church life is simple. And I thought about that. You know, if we all give like we should, we should not have financial problems at all. If we learn to forgive like we ought to, we won't have any offences and animosity amongst us. You know, if we get into the Word of God the way we should, we would understand God and God's people better. If we spend time in prayer like we should, things will turn around. If we let net, not the fellowship, you know, we will grow as a family. It's simple. The problem is that most of us are sitting in such financial problems. Why? Because we don't tell. But yet every month God has to sort out our finances. Every week we're in an emotional breakdown where we need to book in and take tablets or something because we're struggling with relationships. But, but we refuse to forgive those that have offended us because we want others to forgive us. You know, we think it's okay, it's really great, I'm a good Christian, I go to church twice a month. No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry if I offend you. God asks you for two hours on a Sunday. Two hours. Out of seven days, let's start at 7,024 is how much? 148 hours. 148 hours during the week, we can ask you for two. And you will generally find an excuse not to be up to us. How is it that we move church out of our schedule and we'll move something else and we can't stand to go away and we don't get it wrong? It's a real thing. Instead of loving one another and being for one another, we live in a society where we just get offended by everything in life. We get offended with everything because we don't know what a communication is. We don't know how to treat our brothers and sisters right. We take everything out of context. Everything is racism. Everything is xenophobic. Anything is homophobic. There's so many phobics out there. And you know what the problem is? And I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this to you. That I carried unforgiveness in my heart for probably 20 years. And one day I have this aha moment. That whooping bottom, that open bearing, you know? <laughs> that the person that I'm offended with didn't even know what they did wrong. <laughs> to them, that you just read the text wrong. Who's not that? I remember when I used to walk around with a little spirit of rejection in me, you know. That if somebody walked past me, the door just gutted me. I went, no, shut down. You know. I can't believe that. You know, the Aristotle and Jupiter is obviously an issue, you know. Maybe I should give a call tomorrow. I'm still saying. Lord, I know that Aunt Aris had the worst morning of her life. Two flat out of the car, ran out of bed for an inch, got the just wanted to get inside. We must interpret stuff. We must interpret. What is God saying? Yet we don't understand 
that the Word of God says this incredible thing. And it says, we brethren dwell in unity at the moment of this. Now, now listen to me. He says, when we as brothers and sisters of Christ, when we dwell in unity, when we live in unity with the things of God, when we live in unity with each other, listen to this. The Word of God says that I will pour a blessing upon you. I don't know about you, but I like it when God pours out a blessing upon me. I like to be blessed by God. I really do like to be blessed by God. But the problem is, is that most of us are not walking in the blessings and the favor of God not because of someone that has offended us or someone that has done us wrong. We walk in the, in the consequences of where we are because of who you are. You, your biggest problem. It's not the pastor that's the problem that doesn't preach well. It's not Andrew's fault because we're not reaching the lost because he's not organizing an outreach. It's not devil's fault that you don't like the songs that he sings. It's about you. It's about your heart. It's about what God was doing you. Matthew says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Not us. You. Seek ye. Give you first the kingdom of God. And I think we will solve a lot of our problems in church life, a lot of problems in society when we start to become accountable for our own judgment. It's easy. Quite isuka maiki. I'll take. If you most. Quite isuka maiki. I read stuff on Facebook. I am convinced 90% of people on Facebook are not believers. And some of you are sitting here. That I struggle. Listen to me. I struggle. I struggle. I'll be honest with you. You, you all are probably going to leave the church. It's fine. We'll put a meeting between each chair next week. Look for. But I struggle with the fact that you stand here on a Sunday and see you worshiping God like never before. But what comes out of your mouth during the week blows my mind. The anger, the bitterness, the resentment, the arguing, the aggressiveness. It's, it's freaking ridiculous. You know what's tough for me? Is that people say to me, I believe you guys to your church. Now I'm not speaking about my wife. <laughs> but they do. They, they, people genuinely cannot reconcile who you are you on a Sunday to the absolute stuff you speak on a, mon on a Monday on Facebook. Can we not just clean our own house? Can we not just take care of this? There's a word I don't know how to use in the church. You know, when we speak about unity, you know, when I, when I looked up unity this morning in the dictionary, it actually says this. Um, uh, unity, a state of being one 
or join as a whole. Now you can understand something that everyone of you sitting in this room are uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made. Thank you, Jesus. There is not one of you that are the same. But yet somehow we become family. Isn't that weird? You know, so, so if you go look in, 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 I think it's Matthew, I think it's Paul. Um, John, I think it's John, Matthew, I, I, I'm going to speak on a correction, I've got it there somewhere. Oh, Matthew 10. Let's, let's just turn it quickly. Oh, you don't have to turn it, I'll turn it quickly. Matthew 10, listen to this. And, and we did this in the Bible study last week, and it just blew my mind. But yeah, Jesus is naming his disciples, okay? So he, he, he starts speaking about disciples there from verse 2, chapter 10, from verse 2, one more page. So it says this. Now the names of the twelve of the apostles was first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew's brother, his brother James, son of Debedee, Zebedee. So that firstly they were two fishermen. But they were known as the sons of thunder. You know why? Because remember when Jesus went to Samaria and the Samaritans wouldn't accept them? The two brothers came to Jesus and said, Would you mind if we pulled out thunder and lightning from heaven and destroyed them? And Jesus said, No, no, you won't do that. They were known as the sons of thunder. There was another guy there by the name of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, hated by the Jewish people, stole their money constantly, had to overpay on taxes. But he was part. He was part of that bunch. Then the best part about it is, then it comes to a guy by the name of James, son of Alphaeus. They came from a clan of people that used to do assassinations. They used to assassinate people. That's the tribe that he comes from. Now I'm only speaking about, then we still had Judas. You know, he was an accountant, I think. She was a accountant. The tax collector. No, no, that was not that guy. No, that's all. But, and I look at the diversity. Yeah, you have two guys that were stood out thunder from heaven. Peter's a guy that cuts off the soldier's ear. You know, you've got the tax collector that's sleeping. He probably sleeps with one eye open. But there is the guy who owes the money, whatever. And then you've got a son that comes from a place where you take out people. And I remember sitting with our group on the Wednesday night saying, this is what I love about this church. Is, is that we've got it all. We've got from people that, that serve behind the counter at KFC to lawyers, to doctors, to psychologists, to computer people, to unemployed people, to whatever you name it. I've got it all right here. And somewhere along the line, God finds it amazing to be able to bring us all together for a reason. To this building. For a common purpose and for a common plan. But you've got to understand something, that because we're different, we're going to act differently. Some people are going to be able to pray out loud and other people are not going to be able to mention two words. Some people are going to be able to prophesy and other people not prophesy. Some people are going to have the gifts and other people are not going to have the gifts or not operating their gifting. We're all completely different in this room. The problem is, instead of our differences 
bringing us together in church life, often our differences separate us. Because, you know, instead of me working out my own salvation with fear and trembling, we're always trying to work out someone else's salvation. I'll take an amen from this side. Thank you. We're always trying to work out someone else's. Oh, I wish that old man wouldn't speak in tongues anymore. Hey? Oh, I wish Devil wouldn't do that song anymore. Oh, oh, here goes that prophet again. And instead of just in that moment embracing and realizing that God can use anyone at any given time to release his anointing and to release his word over the body, we rather want to quit this. And we rather want to find out what irritates us about church instead of what celebrates us about church. Unity is not something that we need here. Unity is something that we need in our families. Unity is something we need in our workplaces. A lot of, a lot of this context that I'm, I'm preaching on, my, my son-in-law actually did the, um, the research, so thanks Donovan, saved me a couple of weeks of, of preparing. But listen to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, I know when I say Proverbs, everyone goes, oh, come on down. Proverbs 6 says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven things that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes. He says a lying tongue is detestable to him. He says hands that shed innocent blood. And that's just not hands, but they destroy people. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And the seventh thing, which is detestable to him, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. What's detestable to God? A person that stirs up conflict in the body. You see, there's a big difference between advice, accusations, And just being horrible. And they all come out of the same mouth. And they all come out of the same heart. But it's the condition of your heart that determines what comes out of your mouth. And so often we don't realize that God wants us to walk in the fullness that He has for us. But the enemy will keep you so far away from that. You know, the Acts 2, verse 42 says that we know the scripture says they have all things in common, sharing, loving, breaking doctrine, breaking bread, having fellowship one to another. That is what the church was about. That's what Jesus was doing there when he spoke about unity. But we live in society right now, when, and, and I, you, can, you can agree with me or disagree with me, but I'll tell you something we live in society right now. Where everything is about me. I want to be happy. I want money. I want more jobs. 
I want a bigger house. I want a better wife. I want more kids. I want, I, 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 I. Isn't that crazy? I'm offended. You, you know what an offense is? Who knows what offense is? Offense. Not offense, offense. You know what offense does? Offense separates two things. You know what an offense is? Something that separates two people. And so we pick up this offense and we put up offense. You know, because we want nobody to come into our area because they offended me. So I put up a fence. And you know something? Until the fence is removed, the offense will never be dealt with. Do you think that I have not been offended in church life as a pastor? Honestly. I get offended every day, at least five hours. Do you know how many people Correct me on my sermons. Well, maybe you should have done this. If I was you, I would have said this. And then I said, I would preach. And then they go, but no, that's not my calling. And I'm not being horrible. But this is the society we live in. We live in society. You know, I've been watching something that was very interesting to me watching. Um, uh, um, who's next with David Letterman? Is it David Letterman? The government here. He was And he interviews a whole lot of people. He interviews George Clooney and, you know, everyone. He just interviews them. And what I love about this guy, I don't think he's a believer or anything like that, but what I love about him is that whatever he views or whenever he researches somebody or he finds out about somebody, he starts it off with a positive thing. He doesn't switch on a movie and go, oh, this is going to be a lot of junk. He's like, what is good in here that I can take out? Yeah. And you know, last night I was thinking, watching this thing, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what happens if we, we started our lives like that? That instead of being offended by people, we first decide, maybe they have some gems and pearls. Maybe this, we can find the good in some people. Maybe we can just... Trust God just to do something different in my life. And often we need to understand that God, you know, does things. Why? Because I believe that every one of us in this body, we need to be accountable for our actions. Listen to me. You are going to be accountable for your actions. Every decision has a consequence. Yes, God says our sins have been removed as far as the east from the west. But every action has a reaction. Every decision has a consequence. They are not removed from your life. Don't think you can go steal your mother's car and ride in the wall tomorrow and everyone's going to be H-A-P-P-Y and that's fine. There is a consequence to your decision. There is a consequence to what comes out of your mouth. There's a consequence to what kind of seed does it produce that comes out of your mouth. Is it a good seed or is it a bad seed? I remember when I was a police force, a little confession. When I was a police force, 
they, they were seeing Shaka Khan today, it was a police damage. <laughs> that they had uh, exaggerated phrases and um, I, I could not get through a sentence without who knows what I'm talking about this. You know, just, the bomb just dropped, you know? And, and my daughter must have been about three years old. And one day I just thought, what is she hearing from you? What is she hearing from you? What is she hearing from you? Because when you start to speak like that, they start to pick up on it. Dads, as you keep their mom, they pick up on that nonsense. I used to speak horrible to you I was a little aggressive, I never touched them. But, but it was horrible to you. Know, it, was, it was horrible. You know, you, you go to the judge and you come to the stupid fight. And eventually I thought, what is this about? Like, I stood at the altar a couple of months ago and I said, to death do us part. And, and is this, is this going to be my life? Is this, is this where I am? Is this what I'm going to be? Because I'm the only living example of a father that she has. And there's the only example of a living mother that she has. And if we cannot bring out the best in them, and we cannot have unity in our family, what we believe, what we stand for, let me tell you something. My son is 26 years Loves Jesus more than his wife. I know he prays and raises his Bible. But to get that kid into this church is almost impossible. You know why? Because he grew up with his mom and myself taking constant criticism, people treating us like rubbish in church, having things to say about us. My son's picture of church is so distorted that he doesn't believe that it's worth coming to this building. And that's from a pastor's, and that's from a pastor's kid. And please, I'm not telling you this to make you feel sorry for me. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, if my son is seeing that, let me please have the world to see We can confess Jesus with our lives, but deny him through our lifestyles every single day. Why, why would people out there want to come in here? Why? Why do they call us hypocrites? Happy clappies. <laughs> Charismaniacs. You know, there's all the words. And it's because we're not really that great of example to the world out there. I realize the more I read about Jesus, the more people can stay away from him. And not once did he organize a crusade? Not once did he have a PR manager? Or a worship team? Or Facebook? <laughs> People followed him because why? Because there was something about him that we desired. And, and I often wonder, are people following us because there's something different in us? Or are people more put off by our belief than drawn to us? Yeah. You switch on the light too. And I tell you, the monsters keep everything that drawn to that light. You switch on the light and it disappear. And often it is like that in our lives, you know, we don't understand. You know, Ephesians 2, 
Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. Do not judge, slow to anger, quick to listen, do not bear grudges, and do not seek vengeance. Bear one another's burdens. Now, now, now you might be thinking, what are you speaking about this morning? I'm saying this to you. That if you're praying for revival, great. If you're praying for God to explode this church, great. But there's one thing that I've learned in life and it's this. That every bucket leaks at its first hole. That a broken net will not catch fish. And a broken family will not heal anybody. And we can do pray and all the revival stuff. And we want the wheelchairs and we want cancers gone and everything like that. And we want people to come to Jesus. But what are we bringing them to? What are we bringing them to? Are they coming from a broken world just to be a broken church? Is that the difference? I have Christian friends of mine that would rather take advice from all the people than Christian people. And I'm not being mean. Listen to me. This is a good message. This is a happy message. <laughs> because if we get this thing right, if we, if we fix the basket, if we fix the basket, and we get over our, our stuff with each other, you know what it's like? Do you come in? Do you come in? Do you, do you know what the amazing thing about sport is? I love sports. Because... You know when you watch a rugby match? Like in the first 10 minutes, you can decide whether that team is ready, nipping or not. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know? They either jogging or they're not. You know what I mean? They're either like, man, we ended to win it, or ach, let's just get through this. And often we like that at church, you know? You get to one Sunday, man, and it's just, you just know that like, we've had a good week, you know? Just wood, everything is just good, man. People are just fired up, you know. Like everyone's loving each other, praying with each other, you know, the whole thing. And then you get to the next few weeks, like, like no one's really motivated to play today, kind of thing, you know. And then I'm going to get up here and get you guys all excited about Jesus again, you know, until he loves you. Whole team talk, you know. And yes, 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 Pastor Joe, this is great. And we walk out the door and a taxi comes past us and we lose our salvation straight away. <laughs> you see, my pet hate is this. Is this phone of mine. Not because of the phone. Why do they always take debit orders off on a Sunday morning? <laughs> I mean, how depressed do you guys get when that thing starts pinging? You just check your balances of the phone. Like, oh my God. What's going on? But, but listen to this. The scripture says this. In, in, in um, John 13, I think it is, it says, We are accountable to one another, one body, many parts. We are accountable. And the word of God says, we are made up of many parts. Now you've got to understand something. You're not going to be like me, and I don't expect you to preach like me. I mean, look at me. I'm in better physical condition than Perry. <laughs> But I cannot do 2,570 sit-ups. I choose not to do 2,570 sit-ups. 
Now it is in theory. But we all got our gifting. We all got our gifting. We all got our special talent. Some of you maybe just to encourage. Maybe others just to be a prayer warrior. Maybe others just to give a word in season. Others to be a pastor. Others just to be a mother. Sometimes just God calls to be a great father and a great husband. Sometimes are called to business and to pack the world out there. And, and I want to mention, mention names, but I, I was going to someone the other day that, that in his company he started, he, he, he started praying meetings, he started praying for his staff. And he sent me a message. How the staff is saying, you cannot believe our latest prayers impact us in English and we must have prayer now. This is not a Christian company, this is a worldly company. This is probably a very worldly company. But see, what it takes is one man to step out and make a difference. One person. You see, you're never going to fulfill your purpose and your plan when you're more concerned about other people. I remember going to this whole, you know, the building thing that we went through. I'm, I'm not going to go there. So it's not even important, okay? But do you know what my biggest offense was? Hey, that I felt that I was innocent in this thing. And I was offended that I had to now fork out this money and explain to my poor elders what had happened and that we missed the clause and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I was almost like in an arrogant space where my, you know, Lord, the word says that if you break someone, you can break someone, you can go out and curse them. Who knows? If we could, we could break the Get rid of the riffraff. But, but I remember having come to this place in my life where I could ask myself, does it really matter if you're not? What is the consequence of this? What is the consequence? What is the outcome of this? And this outcome can take forever to get resolved. Because even if they turned around to me and said to me, we're so sorry, we were wrong and you were right. It wouldn't have made any difference. You see, it was the selfish thing in me wanting to be right. And this is the problem we have in life, is that we think that when you're wrong, it's failure. My wife has taught me over 32 years of marriage to accept failure very quickly. She reminds me of it constantly. Like not in a bad way. But she calls me out of my stuff. She calls me out of my stuff. I hate load shedding. When load shedding happens, Chantal holds out the couch and then she does also apologize. When that light goes out, she says to me, so baby. What is it that we need to speak about? He's still in Medalta. And how did that make you feel? <laughs> and then she then she'd say things like, so have we dealt with everything? She hasn't said a word, she's just questioned me 5,000 questions. <laughs> but you know what? It keeps me in line. And it keeps me honest. And you know what? She never lets me fall too deep down the hole. When she sees me slip, she grabs me quick and she says, hey, hey, let's deal with this. Because she knows that once you hit bottom, it's almost impossible to get back up again. Who knows? Listen, if you want to, if you want to change your marriage, learn to be honest with each other. The first three months is going to be tough. 
There's going to be blood. Threats of suicide. Hangings. You know, divorce. You know, honesty is always not the best policy in a marriage. Now I'm like, it actually is. You know why? Let's do this. Now I'm going off the track and I'm going to end on it. I don't want to use this now, but I want to use the example today. Men are the world's worst communicators. I'm glad, I'm not glad the men are applauding. I like that. Men are not factual people. Okay? Us men take information and we process it and then we just, once we believe the process, we put it one side. You know? And so when Chantal says to me after eight hours, how was your day? My corporate answer to the day from the time I woke up to the time we went to bed was fine. <laughs> now fine explains me that everything's okay, I didn't go to jail, I didn't hurt anybody, I didn't crash, I didn't get any fines. So fine for me is great. But then when you look into what you guys are, how is your day? Now women are detail orientated. So she will say things like, well we woke up at quarter past seven, I had a coffee at quarter past eight. Uh, we went to church and that. And so she will give me a step-by-step -step rundown of the day. You know? According to 12 at night, she's finished with the day. <laughs> telling me about her day. Now joking. But you see, I'm, I'm telling you this because it's an example. You know, so often as men, we have this belief system that cowboys don't cry. That any sign of weakness is a sign of failure. And I grew up like that. I quickly had to learn that information is key. Right information is key. Not wrong information, right information is key. And I had to learn that she is as interested in my day as what I am in hers. And so I needed to speak a little bit. The thing is that as we spoke, we learned to become honest with each other. I was able to tell her that I had a really bad day. I was able to tell her that hey, my finances are not going to make it this month. Do you know, before we just says, make you quiet, just take a more personal note and know those stuff. Now we find out you have a shoe, you have shoes. You know, transfer, transfer. <laughs> what's, that little, what's that little thing where you borrow money from? What's that little app? <laughs> but honesty is the best policy. And I'm saying this to you today because if we're going to be in unity, one, we've got to learn to be absolutely honest with each other. Two, we've got to get to a place where we've got to realize that if I sort out this, that the world will change around me. And I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You see, we can't always blame someone else. You know, I don't go to church because they're all hypocrites. No, 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 you sort out. That's an excuse. That's an excuse. And this is the problem with society that we have become absolutely brilliant with excuses. We are, we have, that's one art that we've mastered, excuses. Or shifting the blame. Or saying, if only, if only, if only. 
You see, there's a few things in closing that I believe the disciples learned from Jesus in his last days. And there's just three quick points that I want to mention to you. You see, one, Jesus said this very simple thing. He said, even at Jesus' last breath on earth, what did he say? Father, forgive them. Now let's just put that into context. Let's put that into context. You name it. You've been beaten and jailed for the last 24 hours. You've been whipped. A crown of thorns upon his head. They've driven nails through his feet and through his hands. They've hung him up and displayed him and humiliated him to the world. And even in that, he could find it in his heart to say, forgive them. I don't think you and I have got any reason not to forgive them. Honestly. And please, hear me here. There's different levels, and I understand this. And I'll explain to you next week. I'll get into that. I'm not going to get into this week. Because there's different levels of forgiveness. You know, he not only says, Father, forgive them not what he does, but hanging on the cross is he's hanging between a murderer and a thief. And in that moment, he still gives them both hope. I love it. Like, in that moment, like, come on, this guy's dying on the cross. He's bleeding. He's, hey? And in that moment, he, lets, he first forgives the soldiers, and then he turns around and says, and you too, hey? Crazy. Crazy. You see, I think as a church, we need to ask God to give us and let us want to see people through His lenses, through His eyes. Because I think sometimes we're just too critical. I think a lot of people say a lot of things to cover up their own issues. I think it's easier to say, you know, it's because of him that I go to the church. No, no, it's because of you that you go to the church. It's because of you that you go to the Bible. It's because of you that you go to pray. It's because of you that your family's in a mess. It's because of you that your child is not serving the Lord. Let's stop blaming everyone else. And I believe in church life that we can just become accountable for our own nonsense. Things will turn around. Things will turn around. You see, it's easy to criticize. Anybody here can criticize. Anyone here can point fingers. Does everyone like Sean? Obviously not. Does everyone like me? Obviously. <laughs> now, just but you know what? I'm not saying become BFF with Sean. I'm not saying become my best friend. I don't care what Sean does. He can be the biggest monkey on earth. The thing is this. Jesus said this. And by this, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. The love you have, one for another. That's it. I don't care who he's with. I don't care what he's doing, but I do care about the future. 
And when I started loving you, you have a love without a genuine expectation. To love him simply because he loved Jesus and I love Jesus and because we both love Jesus, we go. That would have been enough. You see, there's a difference. But it's so easy to point fingers at someone else and not realize they can be the same as me. I've realized I've lost it. I've realized I've lost it in my life. So now when load shedding happens, I get ready. Share my cash. Share my heart with my wife. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But, but it's, it's such a thing in church life that, you know, I... You know, you know guys, I, I still, with every shadow of a dark, without any shadow of a dark, I still believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I, I want to say, I, I believe that if we can keep this right, we're going to get solved. I tell you, I, listen here, there will not be places in this building if we can just get this right. If we can just get this right. You know, I've buried. I skipped that correction. Sorry. But I, I very, very. I'll bury nearly 75 people during COVID, including my dad. Uh, and uh, you know what I feel the most is that I bury people that are the five people that attended the funeral. And then after you find out the family's been arguing for five years over a big snot that took mom's pair of high shoes when she died and sister Jesus there, you know. Absolute chunk. Family's divided. Now you've got to understand something like this. You know, I'm laying down the wheels out. The wheels are out. I love community. I love groups. Even when I was police force, I used to work the right communities with like 30 or 40 people on the ship. And I love that. I love team sport. I was never individual sportsman. I love cricket and I love you know, those things. I wasn't, you know, I played badminton and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't an individual person. I love community. And uh, when, when I came to Christ, and when I was like, seriously, the fourth, thousands of time or whatever, I gave my life to Jesus. Um, I, I found a community that I felt that I belonged to. I, I came into a church where I felt that I was accepted and loved. A church where everyone knew my past. Everyone knew what I'd gone through. They knew what I was still going through. And I remember the first life that we, we were at this church and we we actually planted the first life group and a friend of ours he still comes to church so you know him. And um, my fondest memory of, of starting church was that life group. It's, it didn't matter who came, it didn't matter what condition you came. Now we hear people walking there as eyes are kite at times, you know what I mean? 
but they sang. And I remember not just their transformation, but I loved the way I felt. I felt like I belonged. I felt like there was no judgment towards me. I felt like I had space to express myself. I could be me. I didn't have to be anybody else. I could individually be me. Do you know? And, and she told to be Chantal. Oh, well, not really the first couple of years. <laughs> the first couple of years I told her what to wear. You know? And after the congregation told her what to wear all the time. It's only in the last few years that I've let her put colour in her hair. And, you know, dress all fancy. You know, I still want to get one of those suits, you know, when those passers by used to wear those pink suits, you know. Those, those court shoes, remember? And I want that back. I want that back. I want us to grow up. Here's what God says, if one in the body should be, every one of you should be living. If there's one going through cancer, we should all be feeling the effects of that person's cancer. That's what love is. That's not what love is. That's not like, oh, she deserves that cancer. Oh, she did me promise to me. I've heard that. I've heard that. I want community. I want us to be a family. I want us to be okay in just being us. I don't want to pass the church of faith. Listen, you drop an egg bomb in front of me and promise you I'm not even going to flinch. I'm not saying don't drop egg bombs in front of me. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is not, I'd rather have you be you than you be someone else to me. Because see, I can't help your altered personality. But I can help you. And I can only help you when you're honest with me. And I can only help you when you're honest with yourself. And maybe you are the problem. And if you're the problem, then sort it out. You know what happens? That when you sort out this, eh? it's like it starts to flow through you. To everyone else. Promise you. It flows through. It's like that thing just through you. And I want to say this to you. I'm going to end with this. And next week I'm going to speak of forgiveness, and it's a big topic. But I want to say to you, ask you something. Can you just fix up some stuff in your life this week? One, can you maybe just firstly forgive yourself? Can you do that? Can, can you look in the mirror this week and actually be honest with yourself? Can, can you actually just look in the mirror and go, I'm really happy with myself? No, you're not. No, you're not. And you know what? As long as you stand in front of that mirror and not agree on who you should be, you're going to stay that person. So sort yourself out this week. Be honest with yourself. But if you know what that means, just need um, <laughs> Manuals will come on. <laughs> Secondly, can, can we just learn to forgive? Y'all, but no, no. I'm not saying release the person from the consequences. You see, forgiveness holds you back and no one else. Or unforgiveness. Unforgiveness holds you back. Y'all, but you know what my dad did to me? It doesn't matter. 
You know what? Okay? I know we haven't spoken for a while, but I need to say this to you. I love you. So I'm going to leave that challenge with you this week. Maybe say sorry, say sorry. And please don't go say sorry because Pastor Kurt says say sorry because that doesn't help. <laughs> that doesn't help. That's like taking a gun and not having to shoot him because there's no target. Yeah. Well, I feel better about myself because Pastor Kurt said I'm just forgive. No, no, no. Search your heart as to why you need to forgive. You see, because when your heart is pure and you're able to forgive, from that place, things change. Firstly. Secondly, it doesn't matter who's right and wrong. Is this. That as long as you live in unforgiveness, the devil has control over your life. What is Sean's scripture this morning? Commit your ways to God and he will... Direct your Father. How does what the scriptures say? Forgive them in the same manner that you forgave. That's a heavy. Now, boom, mic drop. Okay, we're going to close now. Here we go. And we speak about forgiveness next week. But I really want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you. Please, I'm not re- preaching you because I'm perfect. I've probably got more junk in my trouble than most of you. And I've got to deal with a lot of stuff. But you know, something that frustrates the life out of me is someone that refuses to say sorry. You know, oh, I'm not even going to get there. It's all seven. Okay. Can we stand?